I'm Andy Davis. Welcome to the KBB Review podcast from Talis Media. This is episode nine, and we're only in week two of lockdown, but I'm already so institutionalised that I fear I may never leave this loft, even when Boris says I'm allowed to. We've got a couple of very experienced industry veterans in today's episode, and that experience really shines through in their perspectives of the current situation. First up, we've got Trevor Scott from RFK. Many of you will know him from the regular column he used to write for KBB Review for many years, and he'll be telling us in particular about how he is managing and planning the finances of his business around the situation and for the future. We'll also be talking to Simon Hart, the MD of Blanco in the UK, another experienced hand who is telling us how a major supplier like that can really help its retailers. As always, I really want to know how you're doing, what you're up to, what are you spending your time doing to prepare your business for the other side of this thing? You can find me on LinkedIn as Andrew Davis at Taylor's Media or email me, andrewdavis at taylorsmedia.com and that email address is in the episode description. Here's your shameless plug for Taylor's Media, of course. We're the publishers of KBB Review, Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms and Studio Magazines. And today I really want to make sure you're subscribed to our KBB Review email newsletters. We do them every week. And if you haven't subscribed, you can do that at kbbreview.com. Okay, down the line now, hopefully, we've got Trevor Scott, who has the rather grand title of CEO of RFK. Are you there, Trevor? Yes, good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm all right, sir. How are you getting on? Uh, well, it's interesting times, isn't it? Um, yes, it I, is. I don't think uh, any of us can uh, say that we're getting on really well at the moment. Lots of people will know you because you used to write a regular column for KBB Review, and we've, yes, we've kind of dragged you out of retirement for one last mission here. Uh, to... I know, yes, it's um, interesting times, isn't it? Well, look, for, for, so a lot of people will have read your columns and everything, but for those that that perhaps aren't as familiar, give us a quick rundown on RFK. Okay, well, RFK stands for Rugby Fitted Kitchens. Uh, that's that's where our principal showroom is. Um, we've been there for 28 years uh, this month, but we've now got uh, and have had for a few years a, a satellite showroom in Warwick and also a fairly substantial contracts business. So we, we're operating under the uh, the grandiose title of RFK Kitchens now rather than Rugby Fitted Kitchens. So give us an idea of sort of how many kitchens you're, you're churning out a week. Somewhere between six and seven on average, about uh, half of those being contract and the, the, the rest retail. And obviously it does flex up and down a little bit depending on the uh, the call-offs of the, uh, the site jobs. How many staff do you have on the books? 14 full-time employed, including myself. And uh, we probably keep the best part of 30 subcontractors busy most weeks. Right, okay, so this is a, it's a good, successful, busy business that's been going around a very long time. Um, I'd like to think so. Yes. So what is your current status? How are you, how are you currently doing as of today? Okay, well, we're, we are, of course, in lockdown. The showrooms uh, shut uh, last Tuesday. There's a skeleton staff that are operating uh, remotely. We, we've got a couple of deliveries that uh, are due in from Germany that are pre-planned, so we know when to come in to accept those. And uh, we have now finished off what, uh, what jobs we've had on, on the books that we've been able to, or at least get them into a, a position where a consumer can, uh, can at least operate them as a kitchen. Right, so getting the basic services in. Yes, yeah. I mean, sadly, um, our, our worktop suppliers ground to halt halfway through a couple of installations. So we've had to put temporary worktops in, temporary sink and hobs in. But we, we've gone the extra mile to make sure that our clients have at least been able to uh, you know, operate a, a half-fitted kitchen um, as if it was really all there. And what about the contract side of the business? What's happening with that? 
Uh, well, they, they wanted to keep going. Um, and obviously that's been some, somewhat controversial in the press over the last couple of weeks. And uh, some, some of the sites uh, continue to call off and uh, were, were intending to keep working. But slowly but surely, the entire supply chain broke down to the point where all of them have now closed. And uh, we're certainly not in a position to be able to supply and install any kitchens on site now. Right. I don't think you, you're not you're not the odd man out there, I don't think, anymore. So no, no. So what, what's your what's your plan in terms of, of keeping the business visible? What what are you out there doing? Well, we we've, we've been working quite hard on the uh, the marketing side of the business um, with regard to ramping up our social media. In in one respect, we're quite fortunate in that literally uh, two weeks prior to this all happening, uh, we launched our new website. Um, which is much more interactive and um, it's much more flexible in terms of how much we can amend and alter on it on a day-to-day basis. So in conjunction with our marketing guru, um, we've uh, introduced the catch line that we are virtually open and that you know all of our uh, marketing on social media and LinkedIn and uh, such like, who's, whatever, is all directed towards uh, making virtual contact with us. We've got the the uh, the staff up to speed with Zoom so that we can video conference with clients and we're also asking clients to send in uh, their own plans and dimensions with ideas and uh, literally today are in the process of launching an additional tab to the website with uh, with a section called how to measure your kitchen. We've also um, just to keep people interested in us, but not as if thinking that we're we're sort of pushing hard to sell a kitchen in these difficult times. Uh, we've started a recipe blog. So every day we're, um, we're we're launching a new recipe from a from a well-known chef, and just saying you know here's something to keep you keep you interested um, you know during, during the, these times. I mean, they're the things that really hammer home the local business element of it, aren't they? You are part of that community. Uh, well, well, this is the thing of it. I, uh, you know, when we've been in rugby for 28 years, we're we're very well established. We're, we're probably not just the largest independent retailer in rugby for any product, but we're probably one of the longest established now as well. So so we have a, a good name and a good rep locally. Even the, even the MP has one of our kitchens. So so we, we, we cut deep into the community and we want to maintain those, those links with them. Is it working, though, for you? I know we're very, very, very early days in, in this stage of it, but do you think it's working? Are you still getting inquiries? I, I think we're still in the shock and awe stage. Some, somebody described it to me uh, last week as, um, as being a journey through a tunnel, and at the moment we've, we, we're only just in the process of entering the tunnel. We haven't quite got to the phase where we're sat in the middle of the tunnel, and, and I think when we're in the middle of the tunnel, then uh, we're going to start getting some inquiries. People are going to get properly bored. Um, they're going to be using the internet even more than they are do at the moment. And they're going to start shopping around and looking for things to do when, when we get out the other end of the tunnel. Um, so, so it's, it's an interesting analogy, but I think it's one that, uh, that works. And, uh, you know, the, the inquiries have dried up now. I'll be perfectly honest with you on that one. We have sold a kitchen this week, though, and uh, we sold a kitchen last week. So it's not, it's not all uh, gloom and doom. But the designers, they're, they're going to run out of work in about a week's time now. Because I'm guessing they were jobs that were already on the hook, were they? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, there, there's no new inquiry that's turned into a job. But work, work that was in the offing, um, we've managed uh, to keep it live and, uh, and turn it, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing now, isn't it? It's getting through to the to the light at the end of the tunnel and try and get some demand built up for when that when that moment comes. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, Trevor, was was finances. Now I'm not expecting you to give me any numbers, but you know, sure. you, you've been in this game a long time. I'm wondering how you've sat down and planned out how the how you get the finances of, of this thing into a position where you can ride it through. 
it's, it's, it's been a proper battle task to do this. We've got three properties, three separate landlords, two rating authorities. So that alone has been quite time consuming just, just to sort out uh, the, the properties themselves. But uh, that, that's done now. Um, we've negotiated deals with our landlords. Um, we've, we've got the, the rates sorted out with two out of the three properties. Uh, the main showroom, that was that was a difficult one. And I'll explain why, because I think it could be pertinent to some of the uh, the listeners. Our main showroom operates out of a trading estate, and we, we work with um, Trade Counter planning for, for our retail operation. So we aren't officially a retail outlet. But we managed to persuade the local rating authority that, uh, yes, we are, by taking on a video tour of the showroom. So we are getting the uh, the, the, the full benefit now of that, both the grant and the, the rates holiday, which is a big relief because that, that was our single largest expense um, in terms of properties. In, further to that, of course, we've got the grant aid coming through now as well, um, which should help. Later this week, we will be furloughing all but the most essential staff um, because in terms, in terms of finance, it, it's the only sensible thing to do. If, if we if we furloughed them, then at least we know that the government is going to look after them to the tune of eighty percent of their basic salaries. Sadly, that means the commission staff are going to be taking quite a big hit. But then, you know, they wouldn't have been earning any commission anyway if we haven't got any customers to sell product to. They're all taking it very stoically, and their understanding of the situation It's not of our making. Um, it's a worldwide issue. Um, and it's, it's batting down the hatches. The, the, the other part of the finance uh, side of thing is, is talking to uh, suppliers and to service providers and negotiating um, holiday windows, pay, payment windows rather. And in, in most cases, we've managed to achieve a three-month um, holiday with, with our service providers. And uh, we're, we're now reaching that point where we're having the same conversation with, with trade suppliers. I suspect the trade suppliers are going to be a tougher nut to crack in the sense that they've got exactly the same issues we have and we, we all need cash flow. The the business interruption loan scheme, uh, I'm afraid I'm very sceptical of that. Um, we, we are looking at a detail of that at the moment. And certainly as far as our particular preferred lender is concerned, Barclays, which is our, our, um, our normal bank, they're not exactly operating a scheme that I think is within the spirit of the, the, the rules that have been set by the government, um, which is a bit unfortunate because, you know, at 62 years old, I don't really want to be putting my house back on the line again. And although principal homes aren't going to be held in security, if everything else I own in the world has to go up as security, then sooner or later my house goes as well. And uh, I'm not very happy with, with the bank as a consequence of that. And there has been some uh, media exposure of this situation with a couple of the high street banks. So we're, we're, we're looking around for potentially an alternative lender at this stage. So how successful do you think this is all going to be? Are, are, you know, if, is it possible to plan, make, do some sums about what you need to have to get out the other end of this? Uh, how, how, how much prediction can you actually put into those equations? It's a, a constantly moving target, Andrew, and uh, it, it's, it, we, we can think and foresee perhaps three months in, in, in advance of ourselves, and we can, we can put financial bridges in place to ensure that we at least get to the end of three months. After that, though, I think all bets are off, and I just really don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it, but if, it, if it goes from bad to worse, and then, then I think the government's going to have to step in even more. And what that what that is is anybody's guess at this stage. But you know, like a complete freeze on everything. You know, let's just just press the pause button, and uh, nobody owes anybody anything for a given time scale. You know, if we get to that point, then you know it really is the end of the world as we know it, isn't it? So. <laughs> 
Well, that's a nice positive note to, uh, <laughs> to finish on there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's economic meltdown, isn't it, at the moment? Well, it is, but, you know, I think watching the news every day, they are trying to keep positive, they are trying to put reasonable timescales on things, uh, and I think, you know, the, the message that's coming out loud and clear is we all have an element of control over that. If we if we stick to the measures that are in place in terms of social distancing and isolation, then this then that will control how long this lasts for. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think, um, in fairness to the government, I'm pretty positive about the actions that have been taken. And I, I do think that we, we stand as, uh, as good a chance or a better chance of coming through the other side of this in, in quite a strong position as a nation. How the rest of the world fares um, is anybody's guess at this stage. But we're, we're all doing the right thing. What came through loud and clear then when you were describing things was, look, you, you've, you've got on top of this as quickly as possible. I think that's the, if, if there's a, a bit of advice to take away, it's probably that, isn't it? That you got on the phone well, as soon as you possibly could. Indeed, yes. I mean, we have heard stories of one or two people who basically go, well, that's it, they've, they've, they've closed the door, pulled the blinds down, gone home and started watching daytime TV. They're not going to survive in business with that attitude. Um, you need to go out there and be positive about it. Try, try and turn a difficult situation into an advantage. Get your marketing right. Make sure that people are aware of who you are and where you are. Do everything you can to, to keep interest alive, keep the staff interested as well. And, uh, and and hopefully you'll be remembered at the end of it all as being one of those companies that um, that made the effort during during the uh, the disruption. But as you say, you got on the phone straight away to your landlords, to your suppliers, to you know the council. You know you were you were presumably had a list. Oh yes, you had a list. Yes, that you very away very with. long list. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean you, yeah. you you your experience told you right. Start making those calls now. Yes, absolutely it did. And, and it was about working out what the overhead was. Clearly, we knew what the overhead was. But when, when you actually see it in the cold light of day and you're going, OK, what can we do to halve that? What can we do to take two thirds off that overhead? And like now, then that's, that's a real reality check. And it, it take, takes some working through. Taking advantage of the, the schemes that the government have put in place is, is, is one of them. But then, then the things we can do for ourselves, as you say, getting on the phone, making uh, personal arrangements with various suppliers and uh, um, landlords and such like, uh, th- those are things that are within our own control and that the government isn't going to do anything to help us with those. And it's the old, it's the old saying, isn't it? You know, if those who ask get, those who don't ask don't get. You've got to make the effort. If you, if you put the extra mile in yourself, then, then hopefully it'll work out all right for you. That's where experience of being an independent business really kick in. You know, the, no one else is going to do this for you. Well, no, and we're able to react quicker. You know, with the, with the larger multi-branch outlets, um, the, these are leviathans, and they're going to take an awful lot of um, direction changing. They take a lot to slow down and stop, and they take a lot to turn a corner, and they take a lot to get going again. And that, that's to our advantages, independence. Um, we, we're, a, we're, we're like greyhounds, you know, we're, we're able to turn on a sixpence and uh, go in a different direction and get back up to speed again very quickly. Um, it is, it's the same with suppliers in that sense. All, all of our suppliers are very good. We're very, very pleased with, um, with our supply chain. They're, they're people that we've worked with for many, many, many years. But of course, in the short term, coming out the other side of this, we're going to need, um, need suppliers that can deliver kitchens very, very quickly. So we're going to be leading on our UK suppliers initially, perhaps more than our German suppliers, whose lead times inevitably are going to be six to eight weeks. We might want kitchens in a week to 10 days once we're allowed to start supplying again. So our UK uh, uh, suppliers are going to become ever more important as a consequence. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, is you know, if that demand is there and you need to get selling straight away, can the supply chain pick itself up again as quickly as it folded itself down? 
Yeah, well, I, I get the impression from the suppliers that I've spoken to that in most cases, they, they've ramped stock up pretty well anyway to um, cope with the, the, the expected Brexit effect. And as a consequence of that, a lot of that stock is now sat there burning a hole in their collective wallets and they're going to be very eager to get shifted with it um, you know, fairly rapidly once they're allowed to. Well, that's OK if it's in a box. But that's not like you can't really do that if it's you know kitchen furniture or work, or a, you know a worktop that needs to be fabricated. No, for sure, and there is a turnaround time for that. Of course, there is, um, and and I think with UK suppliers, they're more likely to be able to turn a kitchen in seven to ten days than uh, than the German supplier would be able to. Where the system just means it's got to be three to four weeks, um, and it can't really be reduced from that. Well, you say that, but I'm sure there's somebody in Germany working out how to do that right now, because otherwise, what are they going to do? Well, yeah, I certainly hope so. And uh, I mean, one of our key suppliers, I mean, I'm trying to avoid mentioning any brand names here, but one of our key suppliers certainly seems to be the sort of company that is, is going to have exactly that kind of plan in, in place. I think we might have picked the right um, horse to back them on in that respect. Well, look, Trevor, thank you so much for, for coming out of retirement for us. Before we before we came on here, actually, you were breaking a loaf of bread, so I hope you haven't um, burnt it. No, no, I've got another five minutes to go, and I'll, I'll let you know what it tastes like when I get it out of the oven. Well, send me a picture, and I'll post it up. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Andrew, it's right. a pleasure talking to you, and uh, sure good you luck have. to oh, everybody out there. One last question, yeah. Trevor, of course. Oh, the, yeah. the, the, the most important question of all, what is for a feature I'm calling Deserted Kitchen Island Discs? What is your most positive, feel-good song? Oh, uh, oh now you've caught me on the hop. Um... Uh, imagine John Lennon. Oh, <laughs> it's not exactly a dance song, but, no, but uh, thoughtful. Yeah, yeah thoughtful. <laughs> Think of the bigger picture. That is effectively what that song is all about. I like it. So, and thank you for throwing that curveball at me, where I've been able to wax lyrically for the last twenty minutes, <laughs> and then you've completely stymied me. <laughs> See, I like to catch people out. Look, thanks for all your time, mate, and we'll we'll catch up soon. No problem at all. All right, Andrew. Cheers, Good luck to yourself. Bye now. Bye bye. Okay, let's get another view now from one of the major suppliers to the sector, and that is Blanco. So down the line here, we've got Simon Hart, the Managing Director. Hello, Simon. Hi, Andrew. Good afternoon to you. We've got people here from all across the industry, and of course everyone will have heard of Blanco, but can you give us an idea of the sort of scale of Blanco in the UK? We're um, one of the leading printing staff producers and suppliers for the industry, and we deal with several thousand customers in the UK, both large uh, and small. And I, I suppose, if anything, we're specialists in the, uh, the KBB sector. But of course, you operate across lots of different channels within the market as well, don't you? Not just the sort of independent retails, but you do some of the big chains and you do some contract work as well. So you've got a perspective across the whole sector. Absolutely. We've got significant shares in more or less every channel. So we've got a real feel for the entire market. Give us an idea of, of where Blanco sits here and now in terms of its supply, its supply chain, its manufacturing. Give us an idea. Fortunately for me, uh, Blanco are part of a large German group, you know, with a leader in, in, in a German market. Effectively, it's a, a rock-solid business and, and its factories and warehouses are still continuing uh, uh, right through the, the COVID scare that we've had recently. Fortunately, we were in a really good position because we built up a lot of stock to cater for Brexit. Um, and the net result of that was that we were still holding that stock as we entered this difficult period with, with COVID-19. Now, fortunately, our factories are still producing and, and our distribution centre in Germany is also still operating. So uh, were we to run out of any stocks, uh, uh, we would be able to get fulfilment from them without too much of a problem. So 
you know, we're still here, we're still trading, we're, we're, we're taking calls uh, and our sales guys uh, uh, are all at the end of the phone. Uh, we're still servicing our customers where they require us to service them. That's where we are at this point. I mean, I guess there's a balance, isn't there, between the level of stock that you have, which, is, you know, it sounds just fine, against the drop in demand. I mean, everyone has seen a drop in demand. Can you give me any kind of indication of, of what levels you are seeing the drop off? Well, I suppose we've seen a, um, a drop immediately in order intake. I mean, it depends on the sector, but pretty much immediately is something like 50%. And I would imagine that will fade away even more as time goes on. Kitchens that were promised and pledged and, and, and halfway through being fitted slowly slows down. But as I say, we're, we're, we're still here. You know, for example, uh, I'm not working at home today. We, we are trying to work remotely for the vast majority of our staff, but I'm, I'm actually in the office today. But when I sit at home and I look out of the window, um, one of my neighbours is, is a, a nurse. Uh, she's out all day and she's just in the process of having a kid's concerns. She's, she's, she's had a, a house wall knocked down, an extension half built and, and, and the kitchen being changed at this moment in time. So, you know, there's business like that continuing on and, and we're doing our utmost to, to carry on supplying our customers where, wherever we possibly can. Yes, I think that's there's a lag in the, in this sector, isn't there? The, you know, the doors don't close straight away like if you were selling food or trainers or something. There is that lag of trying to finish completed jobs, and I think we're, that's the no man's land we're in at the moment until we can really get a view of of what the effect on this is. Yeah, I suppose the really scary thing for for everybody really is that we don't know how long this is going to go on for. Is it four weeks? Is it eight weeks? Or you know, the government is saying potential lockdown till October. So really it's a very very difficult time for everybody because it's extremely difficult to plan if you don't know what's coming around the corner i think we've got to hope and be fairly optimistic that uh, you know we're 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 clamping down now and locking down now and we're going to see a dramatic do- uh, drop in the cases of coronavirus and hopefully we'll get back to normal in, in a reasonable time scale instead of some of these long Scale that's about. One of the messages that other people have said, I think, is, look, we can only control what we can control. And so we have to deal with our own businesses in the here and now. Now, I'm, I don't mean to I don't mean to sound this in an offensive way, Simon, but you've, you've been in this sector a long time. Very true. You are, yeah. a ve- you are a veteran. Can I put it that way? You are a veteran. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> a veteran. So, look, I, I mean, been no- through a few recessions. Yeah, no one, no one's seen anything quite like this before, have they? But they, have, but lots of people who have been in the industry a long time have gone through recessions. They've gone through banking crisis, that kind of thing. What has your experience uh, lent you to be able to tr- even try and cope with what's happening right now? Look, I think the uh, the important thing is for customers to actually just try and uh, you know do an effective things they can do. So if they can actually finish a kitchen for a customer if they can actually get a little bit more through their tills to keep them going a little bit longer, then they should try and do that. And I think it's also important that they actually try and get ready for, for, for when we get through this. Because the one thing's really true in economics, whenever you get any type of a slump, you actually get a growth period to follow it. And, and I think we're going to have a situation where people are being cooped up in the houses for, you know, two, four, six, eight, ten weeks potentially. Uh, and at the end of it, they're going to be sick of the houses and, and they, they'll actually want to actually give them a bit of a refurb. So I'm hoping that, you know, just as we started to see a little bit of a Brexit bounce, we'll start to see a little bit of a, a, a COVID bounce when we actually get through this. And I think 
people need to actually sort of try and plan for the future. Yes, we have to do our best to, to, to maintain business today and, and serve our customers today and keep whatever cash we can coming through the business and, you know, try and stay liquid for the immediate future. But also we need to plan for the long term and that will be uh, that there will be a recovery. There is light at the end of the tunnel and, and when it comes, we need to really seize the opportunity with both hands and make sure that each of our customers win as much business as they can when, when, when that day occurs. Hopefully it won't be too far around the corner. And that's a really positive outlook. And, and you're right, when you do look at long-term views, there is always a, things do always come back. Business does return. Again, it's just whether or not you can get from, from one side of the crisis to the other without falling yeah. by the wayside. That's the, that's the, the trick, isn't it? Now, that's okay, I guess, if you're you know, a massive multinational company like Blanco is. If you are a small retailer, it's a bit trickier. What can Blanco do to help those retailers get through this and still be uh, liquid on the other side? Well, as I've said before, we're seeing an immediate turn down in business. And uh, as we stand here today, most of our staff are still working full time in the business. So, you know, we're here at the end of the phone. Okay, the vast majority of the teams are working remotely, but we're at the end of the phone. Uh, We're there to offer support and advice in whatever form that may take, whether it's business advice from our finance director, you know, the HR advice from our HR director, or if it's just somebody to actually bounce a few ideas off. We're fortunate in that our sales team speak directly with our customers. So in most cases, we're talking about very long-term established relationships there. And I would hope that, you know, any customers that are worried about something, feel free to contact our team and, and they'll do what they can to help them. Sometimes it's nice to just have, you know, an impartial voice to actually bounce a few ideas off. It sometimes makes you feel a little bit more comfortable uh, about sharing your worries with somebody. So, you know, we're there, whether it's sales and product training, marketing, communications, whatever, we're there to just do what we can. But, but you know, as you said, one of your previous callers had suggested you have to do the things that you can do and, and you know, and not worry about the things you can't do. Uh, and, and the things our customers are, uh, can do are try and maintain as much business as they can, try and manage their cash as best they can, because cash is king in this scenario. And then, assuming they can get through it, plan for what they're going to do to come out the other side. It may only be one kitchen, and one kitchen could mean the difference between keeping your head above water or, 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 or falling below. So, so they you know, really need to do what they can to actually keep going. And, and my entire team are there to support in any way they can. Is there anything um, you can do in terms of credit, in terms of extending payment terms, anything like that? that you, know, you need to keep your own business going, obviously. But is yeah. there anything you can do to sort of help them through that bump? The problem we've got is, is we're not a bank and we, we're in exactly the same scenario as a lot of our customers. We're, we're sitting on several million pounds worth of stock, you know. Uh, even if sales were booming, we, we'd have plenty, plenty of stock. And... You know, that stock has a cost to it that we ultimately have to pay for. And all of a sudden, there's a sudden stop in business or or a dramatic slowdown in business. And it makes it very, very difficult for us. But obviously, if we've had somebody who's a long-term customer and and they've got issues, then then by all means, speak to us and we'll see what we can do. But we're not a bank at the end of the day, but we we still do try and offer support. You know, we we, we want our customers to survive just as we want to survive. It's one thing for sure. We won't pick up without having good customers. So it's important. We literally are in this together. One of the things I wanted to to ask you about, was, and this is a much longer term uh, point of view, is what effect these kind of things have on, for example, product development, R&D, 
when crises tend to happen, this certainly happened in 2008, R&D gets railed back a little bit. It's much more about getting the basic products out there, the volume, yeah. to try and get the, you know, the business back on even footing. What do you think the long-term effect on product development will be? I can only speak for our company and at this moment in time, uh, and I know that we are putting exactly the same uh, energy into ongoing product development uh, as we were three or four months ago. Yes, there is a crisis in terms of a drying up of uh, consumer demand, but we're planning for when we come out of this. So so definitely, if anything, I'd say we're spending more on, on new product development than we were this time last year. And I personally... I've been involved in, in two or three conference calls uh, in the last week that, that directly relate to uh, new product development. You know, we're not slowing down in any way, shape or form. Well, that is very positive and very promising to see what comes out of this creatively, I think would be really interesting to see how design, um, and I know it's very hard to think about these things when we're right in the middle of the, the worst part of it, but how this affects uh, design, affects products, affects how people will use their kitchens or bathrooms in the future, I think is, is part of the thing that, that will ultimately be fascinating about this. But it's hard to describe things as fascinating when you're in the, in the middle of the crisis. No. But, but these things do tend to drive creativity in a lot of ways, to find solutions for problems. Uh, and I think that these are the positive things that can come out of crises, I think. I mean, one of the positive things for, for the customers who, who get through this, and, you know, I, I hope to God all of them get through it, really, but, but um, you know, businesses that do survive, what happens is they pick up the market share of the, the businesses that have failed. Yeah. So, f- so for those who can push on and, and survive this, there the will be positive opportunities going forward. You know, that's, that's basic economics. You have a correction and, 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 and the, the good companies survive and the perhaps not bad companies, but perhaps those that have got low cash reserves uh, uh, um, tend to you know, to have difficulty. So, so I think for, for all, all our, you know, collective customers, uh, um, they, they've, they've got to survive this and push forward and, and make sure they seize the opportunity when it finally comes around again. Uh, and as I said, hope, hope to God it's in the near future and not in, a, in the too distant future. Well, look, Simon, that's a very practical and pragmatic and positive point of view that you're putting forward, which I think is fantastic for all your customers. I really want to thank you for sparing us a bit of time today because I know how busy you must be trying to sort all this stuff out. I've got one last really important question to ask you, though, I'm afraid, and that is, what is your most positive feel-good song? It's for a free, okay. tram, it's for a free tram calling Deserted Kitchen Island Discs. Okay, um, I would go for uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Yay, you got the right answer, Simon. I've been waiting for ages for someone to choose that. That is the correct answer to their question. That is the most okay. positive feel-good song ever made. So well done, you. Thank you so much for your time, sir, and I will catch up with you in a few weeks, hopefully, and see how you're getting on. Many thanks, Andrew. Cheers, Simon. Bye now. Bye. Bye. A big thank you to Trevor Scott from RFK and Simon Hart from Blanco. Some very wise words in there. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and please rate and review us as it helps others find us. See you next time.